Welcome to the Out of Bounds Astrology Podcast. This is astrology for people that don't necessarily belong to cookie-cutter categories. Hi, I'm Fernanda Paiva. And I am Alejo. Welcome everyone to this episode about haters of astrology. Nice. What do the charts say about me? I bet they would hate this episode <laughs> more than they <laughs> We should send it to them and see what they say. <laughs> exactly. In uh, your chart, it's written that you're going to hate astrology. So actually, you're proving like astrology by disproving astrology. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's written in the stars that you would hate the stars. Or, yeah. Okay, so before we talk about astrology haters, just again, another um, little reminder that this is Jupiter-Neptune conjunction time. So Jupiter and Neptune are missing in the sky. And, and it's starting to feel important. for everyone. We have the exactly. asterisk cues. <laughs> we have our asterisk cues. We were just talking about that. We feel very confused and, and, and foggy-minded. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jupiter is at 22 degrees Pisces and Neptune is at 23 degrees Pisces. So they're very close to each other. There is this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction and we are doing a workshop next week. So the 13th of April, me and Alejo, the Arbanz astrologers, uh, will be doing a more hands-on workshop. So it's a lot yeah. more about experiencing this, um, this transit, placing it into your chart. That's why we're going to have a small number as well. We want to keep it very intimate so we can exchange a lot more. We can look into everyone's charts and we can discuss how that might play out and what kind of intentions you could set with that, like make it very practical. Yeah, I would say, I would like to emphasize that, that it's going to be different to many workshops around because it's going to be, first of all, it's a workshop, it's not going to be a talk. And the idea is to have a small group so we can work like with everyone, you know, that each one can actually have participation and can work with their charts and everything. Yeah. If you're already um, in our mailing list, we're going to send out an email today, later today or tomorrow or I don't know, these days. Jupiter and, and Neptune are conjoined. Please bear with me. Um, so we're going to send out some information. But if you're not, send us a message, send us an email. on, on um... Astrology <laughs> for the outcast at gmail.com. Oh, my God. We need to change that email address. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to change that. Yeah, it's OK. Astrology for the outcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I would like to say thank you for the people who have been sending emails. Some of you have been sending some emails with suggestions for, for topics and also with some of your reflections after you're hearing the podcast. And for us, it means a lot. So thank you so much for doing that. Yes. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Thank you. Thank you for your participation. Let's talk about Let's go the... to haters of astrology. So we have the chart here of three uh, scientists. So let's have a look at these charts. So what charts do we have? Okay, we have here the chart of Bart Bock, who was born on the 88th of April 1906 at 3.30 p.m. in Hume, Netherlands. Then we have Paul Kurtz, who was born on the 21st of December 1925 at 3 p.m. for a hater of astrologer being born there. <laughs> yeah, and then we just in Newark, New Jersey. And then we have Jerome Lawrence, who was born on the 14th of July, 1915, at midnight in Cleveland, Ohio. These are all taken from Astro.com, this data. And, and those, these are all, um, surprise, <laughs> um, uh, scientists, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. These are all scientists. And they signed in 1975. They signed um, a document, Objections to Astrology, something like that. Um, 
The document was called exactly Objections to Astrology. It was published in the magazine called The Humanist. And basically it was a statement saying that uh, the world is being deluded by these astrologers, that this is kind of, we need to be careful with these people who are confusing others and are taking advantage of the fears of the population and these kind of things. Uh, because astrology is not scientific, so it doesn't have any value on today's society. So it's not true. So it shouldn't be um, propagated. Yeah, exactly. To be banned. It's basically a document that was trying to ban astrology in the 70s. BART charts, for people who are not looking at the charts, has Virgo rising at 28 degrees. (laughs) The ruler of this Virgo is Mercury in Aries, in the seventh Mm -hmm. house who is actually squaring Uranus in Capricorn mm-hmm. and it's squaring uh, Neptune in uh, Cancer, which I think it's kind of quite powerful by itself. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, the, the, this person also has the Moon in Cancer and the Sun in Taurus. Right. And before I go into every detail, one thing that I found interesting is that Bart Bok has a Moon conjunct Neptune. Yeah. Paul Cartes has the moon conjunct Uranus. Yeah. And Jerome Lawrence has the moon opposite Uranus. Right. I'm not trying to say this is a trend. If you have that, you're going to hate astrology. I'm not saying that. But I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting, particularly um, in the charts of having, you know, the moon conjunct Uranus and Neptune. Because I think it's mm-hmm. like, um, you would interpret it as, you know, Moon in Neptune, you would interpret it as a very intuitive person opening up to the unknown. And I think it mm-hmm. could be so, you know, this, this is a Moon in Cancer conjunction, Neptune in Cancer. It could be super intuitive. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes this is a, such a threatening feeling that the person reacts in the, in the opposite way. So they try to be very organized. Yeah. And they try to put rules to all of this intuition that is coming, to the, all of these images that they are nurturing them and this is a Virgo rising so it needs order it needs to put uh, you know to analyze and scrutinize and all of that and this Mercury in Aries is like fighting to put order you know it's like this very stressed between this Neptune and Uranus is trying to make sense of chaos yeah very interesting I mean he also has a moon opposite Uranus though no Exactly, yeah, it's true. He also has moon opposite Uranus. Yeah. yeah, so the three of them have moon Uranus. What I find most interesting as well about these uh, three charts is that the moon Uranus conjunction, which is Paul Kurtz, um, is in Pisces. <laughs> and, um, and also, very interestingly, um, what I'm finding interesting in terms of patterns in these three charts is that all of them have uh, Saturn and water signs. So Bart has a Saturn in Pisces, uh, Paul has a Saturn in Scorpio, and um, Jerome has a Saturn in Cancer. They all, I mean, I find Saturn really represents our fears as well, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Somehow, I feel that a lot of the scientists are really preaching against astrology. I mean, I don't know, why do they not preach against art or something else, you know, or it's like... Mm. Why such a hatred towards you know a subject? Why the why do we why some of them have the need to colonize um, human knowledge like that? And these are like Patrick Curry's words, you know. It's like knowledge is not meant to be colonized or to colonize the human mind. It's like this is the only way that we can perceive the world. 
So I think that Saturn in water somehow, you know, has a clue there as well, because it's the fear of the water realms, isn't it? Of the realms that are less um, calculated. Yeah, completely, yeah. Makes a lot of um, sense. It's more fluid and... and yeah, yeah, they're trying to say, like, it's, you know, Saturn in water that cannot put boundaries very well. I mean, not, not very well, I don't like that word, but it's like, it's harder for Saturn, perhaps, to create a boundary out of water. And that may be scary, yes. I think it's also fear to intuition, fear to the inner realm, the illusionary fields, that kind of things. It's funny, like when you see the charts of a lot of the scientists, they tend to, and I think I mentioned that maybe last week as well, but they tend to have a lot of Pisces and a lot of Neptune. Um, yeah. And um, it makes me think of, um, what's uh, her name? Jeffrey Cornelis's wife is... Um, Maggie Hyde, is it? Yes, Maggie Hyde. That's it. She wrote an article called Judder, The Judder Effect. And she talks about the Judder effect being this, you know, really scary because sometimes even clients of astrology comes to see an astrologer or even us. I don't know if you've ever had this feeling when you look into an ephemeris, like, like 2045 and you realize that Pluto is going to be over your ascendant and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is going to be happening then? And you, and you have this like sense of fear of something, you know, some kind of mysterious order and, and something um somehow threatening there and i think the scientists get that i think so long. too and also i think you know to to do science i mean it depends on what kind of science you do but i think more and more science is about dealing with subtle realms and invisible realms like you know now they're talking about bacteria viruses and atoms and they, they they're dividing the atom and what's inside the atom and then with the whole thing about quantum physics, which I will never understand, uh, it's like they, it's it sounds like magic almost, you know. And if you think about astronomers particularly, they they do have to imagine other worlds. Like they can't. I mean, they haven't arrived to most of the planets, and they they have a strong description of what the planets are like and what the stars and the other galaxies and the universe and and you take a picture of you know you take a picture of another galaxy and because of the time that lights gets to travel into the earth you're traveling in time like it's sort of like very piscean you know it's not it's not very in a way it sounds very very pisces and then in yeah. the, there was a school in argentina that's this school who say that uh it's called casa once which means the 11th house and eugenio caruti he designed this idea that i don't think he designed it but he named it he called it um transpersonal polarities so basically he says like if you have a strong neptune in your chart then you may polarize so instead of accepting and embracing neptune you may polarize into virgo mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which i think happens yeah. a lot with scientists and it happens a lot yeah. also in consultations you get a lot of people who have a lot of pisces a lot of um pisces or neptune and when you talk about these things they're like no it's the first time i'm approaching something mystical i haven't i would have never done something like this yeah, I mean, you have you yeah, see yeah. Is, is, uh, yeah yeah for for real um one of my clients one of my recent clients she um they uh, had a mars uh, venus conjunction in pisces in the ninth house which is quite you know, the ninth house is a very philosophical house right and yeah. having that mars 
Venus conjoined there, very powerful, and also being transited by Neptune and being picked up by this Neptune-Jupiter conjunction there as well. And so I'm like talking about these different themes that Mars, Venus in Pisces could be reflecting um, creativity or art or this or that. And they just didn't really resonate yeah. with most of them. And, and yeah. I have a very um, pragmatic life. And I'm thinking, wow, well, this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction will be happening right there on that Mars-Venus. And how is that going to be manifested? How is that going to be channeled and, yeah. and potentially the travels? But but it's interesting how sometimes you really see that, that coming out, isn't it? That, that different way. And, and I think particularly the scientists with the Saturn and Pisces there as well. I think Saturn and Pisces can be very scared of the chaos of Pisces because Saturn is our fears as well. Yeah. Um, and so the fear for this unbound you know interconnection or whatever that um and so the science is a way of trying to scrutinize everything and control everything and, and name everything and understand everything rationally so it's not so threatening yeah um, and it's interesting i'm seeing now this saturn for for bart bog saturn is in the sixth house mm -hmm. for paul kurtz is also in the sixth house and then for jerome lawrence it's in the third house so it's all about mind and work and trying to Grounded. Yeah, it's yeah. the mercurial houses, isn't it? Yes, the it's all about, it. yeah, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, organizing. Um, and also, Bart's got Pluto and Gemini on the mid-heaven there. I mean, Pluto and Gemini generation, knowledge is power as well, isn't it? Um, Jerome Lawrence has a, a Pluto-Mercury conjunction, which is another you know, knowledge being power and, and, and trying to retaliate as well, the different um areas of knowledge there that doesn't really um yeah that doesn't really he doesn't really feel it's true um, yeah yeah what i think it's striking is that this jerome lawrence he has so many planets in cancer yeah it's unbelievable isn't it it's but huge... i mean it also makes sense it's about the idea of protecting the community you know okay let's save the community from this you know cancer has right. this beautiful empathic side of nurturing others but it can also be expressed in kind of nationalism and patriotism and in this case it's yeah. a different kind of nationalism it's not necessarily nationalism rooted to to frontiers but it's more like let's save the community let's save us let's save the scientists let's make sure we are respected you know it's, and let's save the people also let's say the ignorant people who need uh, protection yeah. from this uh, threat yeah and I, I find it really interesting as well as scientists they pride themselves and i mean when the same scientists here we don't mean if you're a scientist listening to us as well we don't mean that every scientist is the same and everyone has the same approach to um knowledge but there is a tendency amongst a certain type um that doesn't really read anything about the subject as well like how can you condemn something that you have no idea what it's about like you haven't read anything you haven't tried to understand it or tried to see how it works and, and yet you're already like going to crusade against it yeah um, uh, your your this mention this what you're saying now i think it's a perfect we should we should bring up the other chart of the other scientist, uh, nice, Neil yeah. Sagan. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Let's I think it's perfect. You gave the perfect introduction for it. Because what happened is that this scientist, these three scientists, designed this statement. It was signed by more than 180. I think it was 186 scientists. And Carl Sagan, which if you have seen Cosmos, he makes kind of fun of astrology in one of the episodes. 
he refused to sign it. And he refused to sign it because of what Fernandez is saying. He was saying, it's, this is authoritarian. This is, this is not the way we do things as scientists. So I think it's very, I think you're making a great point, Fernanda, when you're saying that we don't want to, the same way that we don't like as astrologers to all be defined by the same kind of astrologers, and you, you know, we're not all the same, and we don't approach our practice in the same way. Uh, mm -hmm. We shouldn't kind of try to generalize and make all of the scientists the same. And actually, yeah. we have an example of one scientist who, like, you know, he, he, I, I, it might have been, of course, Carl Sagan was already a renowned astronomer back then, but it might, it, it, it's a political statement to say that in front of the scientific community and saying, you know what, I'm not going to sign this because it's authoritarian. It has, I mean, he had to be it's amazing, uh, brave it? in some ways, you know, to be saying that. It, it might have looked like he's supporting astrology, even though yeah. he was very clear, like, I'm not saying astrology is real, but this is authoritarian. You cannot do this. Um, so Carl Sagan was born on 9 of November, uh, 1934, at 5 past 5 in the evening, in the afternoon, in New York, New York, New York, New York. Um, so, yes, he's got an ascendant 25 degrees Taurus. Is Carl Sagan still alive? Sorry, my uh, ignorance. Uh, I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so. <laughs> if he's alive, he's going to have an eclipse around his ascendant. <laughs> That's why we're talking about him. <laughs> I love um, it that we have the excuse now to bring him in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I find striking is that he has a moon trine Uranus. And I what I find striking, Fernanda, is that you're worried about Carl Sagan. You're about to call him and tell him, you're going to have an eclipse in the Listen, what's going on in your life? I know you don't believe in astrology, but there is a full moon eclipse right on your ascendant. He passed away in 1996. All right, okay, there you go. No worries. And he's safe. <laughs> safe. <laughs> okay, sorry. So you were saying something. Sorry, I interrupted. Sorry. I was saying that like, amongst the, the four scientists that we just looked, it's like the, the other three had a hard aspect of moon with Uranus. And Carl Sagan has a moon trying Uranus. So that's mm -hmm. interesting. He does stand out in that regard because, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Uranus can be authoritarian. Uranus can be very like rebellious and, you know, oh, yeah, let's make a revolution. But if you disagree, you know, yeah. <laughs> it can be very autocratic and 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 authoritarian so you out there listening to this if you're very uranian and you think you're rebellious think again <laughs> and i'm saying that i'm very uranian as well so i can say it um yeah so interesting that he's the only one that doesn't have a hard aspect between the moon and uranus and moon is our sense of safety as well isn't it it's like feeling threatened by something or not feeling threatened by a system of knowledge um or not um, yeah, so I think that's it's, very interesting. it's not, and he has a midheaven in Aquarius and a Saturn in Aquarius also. It's in the ninth house. Well, if you use equal houses, mm -hmm. uh, which could, uh, as you're saying, it could, I think it's what's interesting about it's like we were discussing before what do we do with this chart that is given to us? Because it's true that with Saturn on, on, on Saturn in Aquarius ruling the midheaven in Aquarius, it could be also authoritarian. I mean, it could be like science is the law, you know, in yeah. intellect is the law. And instead he, or he opens up to this kind of authority, which is, okay, let's open up. Let's see, let, let, who are we to, to, to do that, to say that? More open-minded, isn't it? 
yeah. it's amazing he also has um i think you pointed this out before he also has this jupiter mercury conjunction mm -hmm. which is scorpio yeah yeah like let's free no let's let's quest into knowledge let's try to discover what yeah, knowledge is about somehow let's be open-minded it's a mercury jupiter conjunction and a moon in sag so there is a bit of sag there i mean obviously sag can be fanatical on the shadow side but in carl sagan's case at least in this situation it came out as being curious and open to different um programs. yeah i don't know if he was curious i mean i don't know if he was like he he does i don't know if you saw the episode he does make fun of astrology he, he has a newspaper and he reads a horoscope and he's just like this is this is absurd and i'm like like what you were saying before well that's not really what all astrology is about <laughs> but, yeah. um, um, but i think it's great that he's like no this is authoritarian this is authoritarian mm. you cannot do this this uh, mercury opposite uranus like you cannot you cannot do this this is authoritarian mm. Mm. yeah the knowledge please i mean he's mocking he's got sad you know he's making mockery of astrology yeah um, that's true yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's a mars neptune conjunction as well there you go there's another strong neptune um thing in the chart especially because mars rules all of this stellium he's got a stellium he had a stellium in scorpio so sun venus jupiter and mercury in scorpio and mars ruling all of that is conjoined neptune so an interesting neptunian character as well again yeah it's true yeah yeah yeah, and maybe even that Chiron in, in Gemini in the first house and not wanting to sign a document that was condemning something. Wow. I don't know, like the freedom of speech, you know, yeah. the freedom of somehow. And the difference as well is the Saturn air sign, isn't it? Whereas everybody else that we looked at had the Saturn in, in water signs for some reason. Um, he has the Saturn in air. He's got Saturn in Aquarius, like you mentioned. Yeah, that's actually very interesting because that could mean that his fear is not about this mystical world. His fear is more about being different. And actually, it's what he did. He's, he stood up. Not belonging. Yeah, in, very interesting. Being an outcast. Being a, a science, scientist, the science of the outcast. <laughs> exactly, the science of the outcast. <laughs> He's going to do a document, a, a podcast, I mean. Now we have we have one more chart, maybe how do you how maybe one more chart? Is that okay? Yeah, 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 sure. And here's it concerns us, yeah. Yeah. So we had to choose, of course, many different charts. Uh we chose uh Gokelin. Uh so some people might know the story already. So basically this well we chose Michelle Gokelin because there were two brothers, right? There were two siblings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they decided to disprove astrology. And they started doing these statistics and they found out that it was actually that some things were were seem to be aligned. So they did this, what they call the Mars uh, effect. So I don't know, I have this contradiction because, you know, they did what is called this Mars effect, which is basically they showed that when the when the planet is rising, when it's right above the horizon. So it's in the 12th house, not in the first house, uh, they, but, but close to the ascendant. Um, mm -hmm the planet gets expressed prominently in the chart of the person. So they, it started with Mars and athletes, but then it moved on with other planets, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think so. It does. He did that to, before all the angles, though, isn't it? At least that's how I, I learned it. So third house just before the IC, six house just before the descendant, and nine house just before the MC as well, and including mm, the twelve. Yeah, it's true. The, the planet has a strong prominence, and I think there was something like the six houses athletes, the twelve houses scientists. Um, there was something basically. I think the bottom line is. Um, planets around these areas had a very strong influence on people's career, yeah, people's choice and people's profession um, as well. This is what I remember um, from the, the results of the study. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. some people came up like, okay, this is proving astrology. But then mm -hmm. in my opinion, I'm not so sure it's proving the astrology that we practice today. It's only proving that planets are prominent when they're on the angles. <laughs> but it's like... Yeah. That's just like an aspect of it, isn't it? But like, in order for you to believe in that as well, you have to um, believe in the premise that Mars in Cancer means someone that's caring, blah, blah, blah. And that's, again, that's a bit, um, yeah. it's difficult to agree on something that has so many multiple, um, I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe in astrology, so obvious, um, because we are astrologers. <laughs> Fernanda, <laughs> are you going to sign the document of 1975, <laughs> Objections to Astrology? Exactly. I'm going to sign that old document. Um, but it's like, it's what um, James Brockbank said in his PhD, which I'm using heavily for my dissertation, is astrological symbols are chosen by the astrologer. That's it. If you've got an astrologer choosing the symbols, you can't just have a, 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 a 2 plus 2 equals 4 because there's no, yeah. you know, you're, you're eliminating the astrologer from the equation. So you can't do that. The astrologer is going to choose certain parts of a chart when it's giving a you know an interpretation is interpretation <laughs> basically a chart interpretation is interpretation so yeah exactly. interpretation is always open to different variants and different variables so you can't prove it with statistics it doesn't work like that yeah I agree. and you know i think it's very good you know uh, i you know what, what, like my role model as a researcher is, is marcelio ficino and he he did this he criticized astrology he, he did this he also made a, an objections to astrology if you want uh document yeah. you know he, he was he was making laugh of the other astrologers who are doing predictions and stuff and he was an astrologer so we it's not we were allowed to criticize astrology also in and I mean, some people have a very good talent at doing predictions, you know? I yeah, mean, exactly. I believe it's possible. Some people are really good. Some people are really good doing horary astrology. And exactly, getting, yeah. You know, like very good, you know, precise answers from a chart's question. Um, but yeah, each one has their own um, style. And, and so it becomes really, really difficult to, to say, yes, this is proven. I mean... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now... Yeah. On this uh, Gokelin chart, so we have Leo rising. This is Michel Gokelin. We have Leo rising. He was born on the 30th, 13th of November, 1928, 10.15 p.m. in Paris, France. So he's Leo rising with the sun at 21 degrees of Scorpio mm -hmm. and the moon at 7 degrees of Sagittarius. So he's a new moon lunation type. And he, um, what I think it's, striking is that he has mercury at three degrees of scorpio mm -hmm. three degrees 13 and jupiter at three degrees 16 of mm. taurus so it's like a mm. very tight tight opposition between um 
Jupiter and Mercury. And I think this opposition could be the quest for truth, you know, the quest for knowledge, the, the yeah. this desire to do this huge statistic and kind of trying to find the key, the real element. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of Sag, isn't it? Sag, Nine House, Jupiter, Neptune, not Neptune, yeah. sorry. Um, Jupiter. So, Karen, Jupiter in Taurus is in the Nine House, Saturn, Venus, and the Moon in Sag, that Mercury, Jupiter opposition. There's a huge um, emphasis, I think, on what you're saying there, of like searching for truth or asking the big questions and getting all philosophical about it. Probably. Yeah, and Jupiter here is conjunct them in heaven, so this becomes like his profession, what he's known for, and it's in Taurus. So it's like, let's ground, let's go to statistical fact, you know, it's like, let's go to the reality of it. Let's not dream out, let's go to the reality of it. Let's make it real. Yeah, and there's a moon um, trying Uranus as well, isn't it? <laughs> ah, yeah, good. Yes, I was going to, I was thinking about where is Uranus? Yeah, there's a moon, yeah. Yeah, here's a, here's a moon, Uranus, trine as well. So it seems from all of these charts that we looked at that the moon interaspect, as it would, I mean, I'm, I would imagine, but what comes to mind is that the moon really relates to our sense of safety. And like signing a document, trying to ban a subject is really feeling threatened by it. Completely, isn't it? Because yeah. If you don't believe in something and you don't care, you just don't care, isn't it? You, you're going to do what exactly. you care for and let the other people do what they care for and let, leave them alone, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So the people that signed the document are really vehement against it and you know had a kind of a connection to that feeling of threat. And they all had hard aspects with the moon there, whereas um, Sagan and Gokulin didn't really. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cool. Very good. Very interesting. We have Karl Popper's chart. So I chose his chart because he was the one who uh, defined, kind of, kind of finished, finished shaping the scientific method and the idea right. that we need to, everything, everything is for, like, the scientific method is like, you, you have to try to prove the falsibility of your of your um, statements and he uses astrology to say that uh, astrology cannot be scientific because it, can, it cannot be proved scientifically he uses astrology as an example mm -hmm. now what i think it's interesting about this chart of course we don't have the ascendant he's the moon in mm -hmm. taurus sun in leo uh, but what i think it's interesting is that he has Saturn in Capricorn, opposite Mercury in Cancer. And I think this right. Saturn-Mercury opposition is about this idea of setting things right, you know, making, clearing up how, what, how do you do, how do you approach science? How do you build knowledge? Yeah. Being, bringing the rules, isn't it? Putting down the rules. Now, as a scientist with a Saturn in Capricorn, yeah, we had scientists with Saturn washer signs. This is the um, Saturn in, in, in Earth. Um, also, because we don't have the time, we don't know exactly um, how many degrees the moon was. Ah, it's true. That's true. It could have been in Aries, uh, maybe. Yeah. Or later in Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we don't know the aspects of that moon, but like yeah. precisely as well. Um, it could be square Jupiter, it could be um, a square the Sun, 
or is it could be square Saturn maybe um, yeah it could be square Saturn actually yeah we don't know but we, we don't have to I just what I what I found interesting well I don't know what you think but what I found interesting is this uh, Mercury Saturn opposition oh, right? for sure. and he's yeah, writing this book uh, uh, the, the book is called um, Oh, sorry. We have we're so confused with this stupid legend. I forgot the <laughs> book. Uh, it's a famous book. It's a book where he explains the possibility of science. I mean, why is this possibility so important? You know, the principle of falsification is like the way to distinguish pseudo scientific theories from not. Um, so he wrote this book about it, and yeah. So I think it, that was that's why I think it was interesting to to have a look at this. Saturn Mercury. Anyway, I think we need to yeah. wrap it up because we're a bit. <laughs> yeah, we need to wrap it up and go have a bath and get Neptune, Pisces, and things. And yeah. what do we have for next session? Okay, so next week we're going to be talking about something practical again, more hands on. Um, we'll be talking about working with transits. So when Hi. you're having an astrological transit, and I think. Um, we were, we were talking earlier about Jutter effect and looking into your ephemeris and it's 2046 and you see that Pluto will be transiting your stellium in Aquarius or whatever and you're like, oh God, what am I going to do? Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, what, how do we interpret transits? How do we work with transits? What do we tell? What kind of advice do we give when we see certain transits coming up um, or happening in the charts of clients? Good, yes. Yeah? Yeah, yes. I think it's a great topic, yeah. So, right, if you have any transit that you're worried about, you can send us an email at astrologyfortheoutcast at gmail.com and send us your chart information and what transit you're worried about and we will discuss it without revealing any personal information. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you, bye.